Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. Later on, ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman will come on as we'll talk about the NFL Draft, the return of Rob Gronkowski to the NFL, and the Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance. First, though, how are we putting out a sports section during this coronavirus pandemic? No live games, but obviously there's plenty of news going on. And plus, we have a great idea that we started Sunday with fantasy drafts about local teams here in the Capital Region. I spoke with sports editor Michael Kelly about it. Mike, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I uh, hope you're staying safe there and at your house. <laughs> I haven't left it in about a month, so it's hard to get into a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, last time I saw you was right before you we went down to Atlantic City for the uh, the MAC tournament. Yeah, that was, what, three or four months ago? Or? <laughs> I thought it was three or four years ago. I don't know. It seems like <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, how – our our sports staff has managed to handle this coronavirus. We've had, you know, it, it's, it really hasn't been tough coming up with stories. We seem like we've had uh, local stories just about every day. I mean, I, I mean how? Uh, yeah, talk about the process of you know trying to find stories. And you know, it seems like we do have some stories coming in. Like, you know, you've had a number of Siena and U Albany uh, recruiting stories. Uh, Mike McGann's been writing columns. Uh, uh, so what, what's it been? What's it been like? Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, you know, as much as the sports world is shut down, it also continues to, to you know to churn along. And you know, obviously, we've still been uh, you know following kind of the developing story with high school sports and whether or not they're going to be able to to play any games. Um, for for me personally, college basketball, uh, you know, it's still recruiting season, and I think uh, you know we're we're do, we're uh, we're talking right now on uh, on a Tuesday, and I think I think last week I think there was a commitment. Uh, there, there was either a commitment or a player leaving one of the programs every day last week. Um, so that continues just to go right along. And, you know, but, but obviously it is kind of, you know, a, a downtime, so there's a chance to, to be creative as well, um, which, you know, we found a couple different ways to do with our with our Gazette sports pages, and, you know, one of them being the, the, the fantasy uh, basketball draft that we did and, you know, kind of that idea that we're going to try to play out at least a little bit more here over the next few weeks. Yeah, let's talk about the initial one that ran Sunday, the high school basketball, boys basketball one. A lot of great names listed, uh, like, like Barry Kramer, Pat Riley, um, Kevin Herter. I mean, to talk about that whole process and going through that draft, I mean, probably a lot, lot of uh, great players left out, too. Oh, yeah. We've gotten uh, a number of emails and, uh, you know, and, and comments on Twitter and uh, text messages reminding us of all the players that were not named. Uh, nobody, though, uh, can come up with who was named that shouldn't be on the list, uh, which is always always fun when people want to tell you how you were, you know, what was what was wrong, what wasn't included, but they can't tell you what the, what needs to be removed to make it right. But yeah, I mean, obviously, the area has a, a super rich, um, you know, basketball history, you know, that dates, you know, back. You know, well into the early 1900s, uh, really. I, I think the earliest player that we ended up selecting in our draft, which we had four of our staff members each pick a five-man team plus a coach. I think the furthest we went back was somebody, I, I think there was somebody from the 1940s drafted. 
Um, and there were a couple candidates before that um, that at least I know I considered, uh, but ended up you know not taking. Um, and it, you know, it, it was an interesting process to go through because obviously there are like the really big names that people know about. You know, as you go back in history, Pat Riley, more recent, you know, a Kevin Herter or a Jimmer Fredette. Um, but it, it was funny because I was earlier today going through and uh, you know was breaking it down by decades. Um, you know, I, I think we, I think there was a player drafted from, there was a player drafted from at least six decades and maybe seven. Um, you know, kind of depends how you look at it, because I think some guys graduated like in like 1970, you know, something like that, <laughs> where they mostly played in the 60s. Um, but I think actually the, the decade that we had the most represented was the 1960s. Um, the 2000s seemed to, to be very popular. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of a, a steady stream of, of players picked from uh, from a number of errors. Yeah, uh, Adam Schinder, who you know, basically had the idea of this fantasy draft, he he went with Sam Perkins in that first. Uh, he got the first pick of the uh, first round. He went with Sam Perkins, which I, I guess kind of surprised me because of you figure out uh, you took uh, Barry Kramer with the pick. I thought maybe you go with somebody like from Schenectady, like a, a Kramer, like a Riley, and uh, he went uh, Perkins. Only but yeah, obviously he had a great. Uh, career at North Carolina and then uh, on to the NBA. Yeah, Sam Perkins is a funny case, and I mean we reference it to, to some degree in you know what what we wrote uh, in Sunday's paper. But you know, there's a lot of people who don't consider Sam Perkins to be an area player um, because he was only here for a couple of years. And uh, my counter would be he was here for a couple of years and was a great high school player at Shaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I you know was a player. I think he was an all like a first team All State guy twice. Um, at Shaker, was player of the year for one of the years. Um, you know, in terms of a, a two-year career, can't really accomplish a lot more than he did um, in the two years here. And, you know, when you look at it, I mean, Sam Perkins had, um, uh, you know, at least a, a players who are, who you know, they're retired, they're done. Sam Perkins had the most productive NBA career of, you know, of any of our players with local ties. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, there, I think there were going to be people who are going to be upset to see Sam Perkins at number one. Uh, at the same time, if Perkins went like number three, I think that would have been awkward as well. Cause I, I think he's certainly deserving of one. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised? You, you mentioned the, the feedback we've been getting for the, you know, were you, are you surprised by that? That we, I mean, in a good way, I mean, that the people are actually, you know, you know talking about this. No, I'm not surprised because, you know, the reason why, again, we'd like to do some more of these drafts, you know, here in the next, you know, month, two months, um, you know, just as it seems like there's not going to be a whole lot of live sports during that period. Um, but we knew, you know, boys basketball, you know, the best players in the area, that's something that people always want to talk about. They love to do the list. They like to, you know, tell you who their favorite was and tell you why you're wrong. Um, so we knew this would be one that people would have, you know, very strong opinions about. Um, and, and the best thing about, you know, the boys basketball scene in this area is that you can't have a real debate about it. Um, because, you know, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I like the list, you know, that we pretty much came up with. Um, you know, but everybody who's, you know, who's, who's reached out with, you know, players that weren't named, um, you know, they're all legitimate names, and, you know, I think everybody has, you know, a valid point. And, you know, it speaks to the areas, the kind of the richness of that history that, 
you know, we did 20 players, and it was really the uh, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and I know I'll be participating in a few and running a couple of us. Like, uh, for example, I'll be helping to do the uh, Union Hockey Fantasy Draft, which should be a lot of fun uh, with that. Mike McGannon is going to be part of that as well. Uh, what, what, can we talk about what other fantasy drafts we're going to look at at this point? Uh, I mean, girls basketball, college basketball, I mean, American Hockey League back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I know, uh, you know, again, right now it's kind of um, a moving target to some degree just of how much time we're going to have to kind of devote to some of these projects just as, you know, we're hoping live sports obviously comes back as soon as possible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, we're, I know we're, we're, we're working on Union Hockey, um, doing one, doing a, a draft with that program. Um, I know I'd like, yeah, I mean, high school girls basketball is a definite. That's going to happen. Um, I'd like to do a, a Sienna basketball one. Um, and, you know, I think from there we'll, we'll kind of start to, we, we have gotten some suggestions from readers about ones that they would like to see, and I think we're going to, you know, look into some of those areas. Um, you know, some, some of the drafts are, we, uh, probably the, the most difficult part is just figuring out how to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, because to, to do, uh, to do like a fantasy draft of like, let's say if we wanted to do high school football, um, you know, that's pretty extensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you try doing 11, do, uh, 11 man team there. That's like, I don't know if you do that. Yeah. So, you know, so that, that's one hurdle that we need to figure out how to clear is just, uh, you know, basketball and, and, and hockey, you know, very easy to do because you can, you know, you pick a five. That's, that's how many points. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or hockey five and a goalie. Um, so, so there is that is one thing that we do need to figure out as we go forward. Is if we want to do, you know, some sports like football and baseball, we're probably not going to draft out, you know, full lineups. Um, and just to to try to figure out, you know, kind of how we want to condense that so that it's, uh, you know, that it's, it's part of the sports section and not the entire sports section for a day. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, definitely uh, going to be more of these coming up here in the future, and I, I know we're excited to put them together. Where can people send their uh, suggestions to? Sure, I mean, I think sports at dailygazette.com. That's that's the best way to go about it. Is to email us, um, and we did get already a couple suggestions of, of topics. Um, obviously, people can reach out on Twitter as well, but I would encourage people to to reach out via email. Um, sports at dailygazette.com. Um, just because that's a little bit easier sometimes, you know, Twitter notifications, they get missed. Yeah. Um, so the email is, is the best route uh, to take. And, of course, if you didn't get a chance to see the uh, Sunday edition of the uh, Fantasy Draft of uh, Boys Basketball, it is online at, at Daily Gazette. I'm sorry, at DailyGazette.com, and it is free. So you can, you know, click on it and look at it and uh, post your thoughts or, you know, let us know what you think of it. So we do appreciate the feedback on that. Mike, appreciate a few minutes talking about this. And, uh you keep staying safe there at your house, and uh, hopefully one of these days I'll see you before the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably we'll shoot for uh, by October at worst. We will see each other at least once before that. Well, maybe I have to do the Zoom thing. I mean, I, I, I was telling my wife the other night that I had never heard of Zoom until this uh, the, this pandemic came up. I mean, maybe yeah, that was, Zoom's how cool having, it's been an amazing month for Zoom. So. <laughs> The only Zoom, this is how old I am, the only Zoom I know of is the old PBS uh, children's show where you go zoom, 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 ah, zoom. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm breaking in the song. I don't think that's a good thing for the for the people to hear on, on this podcast. That's, uh, I, I think you've got the correct read on that. <laughs> well, Mike, appreciate a few minutes. Thanks. And again, thanks for that, my friend. Stay safe. All right, Ken, thank you. Up next, ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman. 
You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. I'm calling on all New Yorkers to do their part to slow the spread of coronavirus. Everyone, even young people and those who feel well, stay home. If you must go outside, stay six feet from others. This will ensure everyone who needs hospital care can get it. This virus spreads even without symptoms. Stay home and stay safe. Be a part now so we can all be together later. Stay informed at health.ny.gov coronavirus. Back on the podcast and our good friend, Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio, joining us now. A lot to talk about. Freddie, first of all, how are you doing? And I uh, hope you're staying safe there in, in, uh, in your home. Yeah, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm definitely staying safe, and I'm lucky that I have a boxing bag and a recumbent bike down in the basement. So I'm not, go- I'm not going to Flappyville anytime soon, let's put it that way. But me and my wife and our family, we're doing well and doing safe, and hopefully everybody else out there listening to podcasts is doing the same as well. well. I appreciate it. You doing your show from home now for, for the foreseeable future? Oh, Ken, I don't know when I'll be able to go back to the studio because everybody on campus at ESPN and also ESPN Radio in Bristol, you have to wear a mask when you're on campus. So for the foreseeable future, and who knows when that's going to come to an end, I'll be doing my show from Casa de Coleman in Connecticut. <laughs> Has it been a tough doing it from home? Is I mean, you know, obviously Ian's not there with you, uh, even as soon as your co-host. Me, has it been tough to coordinate things, or has it been pretty smooth? It's been pretty smooth because we have an app called Blue Jeans where we're able to see each other. Then, so if he's on his computer and I'm on my computer, our producer Vince Case, he's on his computer because sometimes Vince will go into the studio and coordinate it from there, and other times will coordinate it from home. But because of the Blue Jeans app, we're able to see each other and have cues and everything like that. So it's been remarkably a lot smoother than I think any of us could have anticipated because that was the clear unknown that we didn't know how it was going to work, working from home and using the Blue Jeans app to try to make things as smooth as possible. And it's amazing. I've just you know, watched the local news around here and seeing some of the Yankers working from home and the, the meteorologists. It's amazing they're able to coordinate uh, how they're you know be able to make the switches and get these guys on. I, I just find it amazing that they're what the, the jobs they're doing under these circumstances yeah can you imagine if this was going on let's say in the 1980s and 1990s it would have been virtually impossible to do any kind of tv show any kind of tv news report or weather report or even sports talk radio so i think it's one of the things you talk about that sometimes there's too much technology especially in this day and age can but having all this technology has been a godsend has been able to keep us make sure that we can maintain our shows and also provide the right information to the public out there that's looking for any kind of information, no matter where it's coming from. Yeah, I mean, I, I had never heard of Zoom I mean, until this uh, pandemic broke out. The only Zoom I remember is back in my childhood when that the uh, PBS show uh, Zoom. That was the oh, only yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that takes me back to my childhood with that memory, no doubt about that. Oh, my. Between that, the Electric Factory and Sesame Street, there you go. The, the, the tr- oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> See, now you're really taking me back to my childhood in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> well, let's talk about sports. Obviously, no games, but we're plenty of sports news. And uh, what happened on Tuesday, the WWE 24-7 champion, former tight end, now back in the NFL, Ron Gronkowski, uh, Rob Gronkowski, back 
he's unretired, and he's uh, hooking up again with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. And who really saw this coming, and are you surprised? It's gotten to the point now, Ken, that nothing really surprises me anymore because I firmly believe this, that if Tom Brady was still the New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski would have stayed retired. And I don't think that's necessarily an indictment of the Patriot way and the Patriot culture because both of those guys played and were successful in it for a long, long time about to go into the Hall of Fame five years and they finished playing in the National Football League. But at a certain point, if it wears on you, I think more than ever before, players are going to say, I don't need to stay here. I can go somewhere else. Tom Brady was the epitome of the Patriot way and after 20 years, he said, you know what, I'm good. And Rob Gronkowski, they had that kind of friendship that there was no way that Rob was going to go and be a part of that because even last August, he said he wanted to find the joy in football. When I heard that, I basically heard him saying that it is really, really tiring and wearing to play for a guy as hard driving and as hard charging as Bill Belichick. But here's something else, kid. With both of those guys now in Tampa Bay about to have more fun in the Florida sun whenever the NFL season gets started, Bill Belichick now has a kind of team where he doesn't have to worry about superstars, and he wants to show people, I can win this way. The system made Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and not the other way around. Well, it's going to be interesting. I think it would be, I mean, maybe not for football fans, but it would be kind of fun to see if they do have the Super Bowl this year. It's in Tampa Bay, and if Tampa Bay and New England manage to uh, make it there, I mean, what that, that would be a ratings bonanza. I can't even imagine what that is going to sound like and look like in the two weeks leading up to that if we have that game where the Pages are able to find their way through the AFC without Tom Brady and, of course, without Rob Gronkowski again. And Tampa Bay and the loaded NFC, especially in their own division, when he got to deal with the New Orleans Saints in one of the division the last couple of years, and the Atlanta Falcons were six and one in their final seven games, and they want to make a move in this NFL draft to fortify their football team. So getting out of the NFC South is not going to be easy for the Tampa Bay Tom Brady's and now the Rob Gronkowski's joining that football team. But if that ever happened, not only having a team about to play a home game for the first time ever in Super Bowl history, but then having that dynamic on the other side with Bill Belichick and having that Obviously, the year off probably helped Gronkowski uh, get healthy, but do you think he bounces back uh, with the year off? I mean, is it going to take a little time for him to get back up to speed? It won't take as much time, and here's why. Because he's going to a football team where he does not have to be the guy, Ken. In New England, everything was based off him and Tom Brady, and he saw double and triple team coverage all the time. That left a lot of one-on-one lanes for the Julian Edelman and the Kevin Hogan of the world. He's going to a Tampa Bay team where they can run two tight ends with him and O.J. Howard. And then you got those two power forwards in the outside and Chris Godwin and Michael Evans. So Rob Gronkowski is going to get his share of defensive attention. But what do you do? Do you double-team him and leave one-on-one coverage in the outside? A lot of teams for the first time will have to look at Rob Gronkowski and, Rob Gronkowski and say, we're going to have to hope that one guy can stay with him because that was never the case with the Patriots. You always had to help somebody in coverage against Rob Gronkowski. Going to this team that's going to spread the ball out a little bit and have those kind of weapons on the outside could be a godsend to Rob Gronkowski and help not only his development of the offense, but also his curve getting back up to speed after being out of the NFL for more than a year. Well, talking about more NFL here, Thursday night the NFL draft will take place. We're obviously going to be different style of NFL draft, a virtual NFL draft. Everybody's going to be drafting from their home uh, the first round beginning Thursday night, which will be on ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. 
And it looks like, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, we know the Cincinnati Bengals, they can be the bungles at times, but they really can't bungle this pick. It looks like Joe Burrow is going to be the, the number one pick uh, Thursday night. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And for me, Ken, the draft doesn't start until pick number three with the Detroit Lions because I firmly believe after Burrow goes number one to Cincinnati, that Chase Young, the edge rusher from Ohio State, is going to go number two to the Washington Redskins. But now what do the Detroit Lions do? Who's going to think about trading up if you believe that Tua Tungabailoa is your guy? Because I don't think anybody's trading up to that spot at number three or to the Giants at number four but Justin Herbert. Although it would not surprise me at all if Justin Herbert goes number five to the Miami Dolphins. But if somebody believes that Tua Tungabailoa is not going to get past number six of the Los Angeles Chargers, then who's going to trade into one of those two spots and what are they going to be willing to give up? And so for me, that's when the NFL draft is really going to get started. It's going to be fun to see what kind of man cave Bill Belichick has at the at his palatial estate, what kind of man cave Roger Goodell has in his basement announcing the picks. But for me, that's when the draft starts. Do the Lions keep that pick? Do they trade out of it? And who trades up there? Because you're doing that, you're doing that to get to a tongue of Iloba and nobody else. Obviously, Tua with his injury situation, uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. Uh, is he healthy, and can he uh, be, be an NFL, elite NFL quarterback? I think he can be an elite NFL quarterback, but to me, with, with Tua Tungabailoa, it's either going to be a feast or famine situation because we know he has the kind of ability, the way he can throw the ball and move around the pocket, but the injury concern is going to be in the back of everybody's minds, and for good reason, because if he takes a shot on the hip or if he takes a shot on his ankles, even though according to reports, the ankle surgery left his ankles stronger before the injuries happened to both of his ankles. So I don't have any doubt about that to a tongue of Iloa. I think in terms of pure quarterback, he's the best pure quarterback in this NFL draft. But the fact of the matter is that injury concern is going to have a lot of pause for concern when it comes to teams out there. That being said, I don't think he slides out of the top ten. And if he does, then it could be a long night for Tua Tonga by Loa where he keeps falling further and further down the draft. But for my money, I think he's the best pure quarterback in this draft. And I don't think he gets past the Chargers at number six, especially Miami does not take him at number five. I mean, the Chargers need a star player. I mean, they, they missed out on Tom Brady. They need somebody with name cachet to, to spark some interest in, in that franchise in Los Angeles. I mean, it's you know, they're still the number two team in there, but if they get a top-notch quarterback, maybe they get garner some more attention there in uh, Southern California. It's going to be hard for them to do that because think about what they have to compete with. you got to compete with the Lakers. you got to compete with the Dodgers. you got to compete with USC football. And I haven't even gotten to the Los Angeles Rams yet in Los Angeles because that is definitely an event town. And if you're going to be good, you also better be interesting. And right now, the Chargers, the most interesting thing about them are their uniforms going back to the future from the 60s and 70s San Diego Chargers, right? I thought the Powder Blues were the best uniform in sports. They made that even better. So at least they understand exactly what pop and circumstance is all about. But if you're going to win, you better have that kind of it quality that celebrities are going to show up to games. And to your point, the Los Angeles Chargers, they don't have that right now. The Rams don't have it as much anymore either because it seems like it was just yesterday that they were a team that got this Super Bowl, and now they're in essential rebuilding mode. If you're going to try to win in Los Angeles, you better win with some kind of pizzazz and some kind of ump. And right now, both of those teams, in my opinion, especially the Chargers, don't have that in Los Angeles. Well, the Chargers definitely won the uh, logo battle over the Rams. I'm not sure what that Rams logo that they came out with a couple weeks ago is. Uh, I mean, they have they had a classic logo, and they, they bungled it. Yeah, but Eric Dickinson, who knows exactly what the logo is supposed to look like, 
York Giants got the number four overall pick, and a lot of uh, mock drafts looking at Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa. Do you see them getting them? Yeah, because he's going to be there, but at the same time, with Dave Gellerman, he really has to hit on just about every draft pick in this draft because I firmly believe he's been not the general manager of the New York Giants. If you look at his draft record with the Carolina Panthers, you have to wonder what did the Giants see in him to be the anti-Jerry Reese and replace him. Now, he's hoping to hit on Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones has the stone to be a really good quarterback in the National Football League. And Saquon Barkley, there's no doubt he's a star of the running back position. But the best part about any draft is what kind of lower draft picks can you have to fortify your football team because the New York Giants can't rely on free agency to fill those holes. That's why they are where they are now by taking on free agents, paying them that kind of money, and then those guys did not pan out. So he really has to hit on a lot of players in this draft. He only hit on one or two. I think in a couple of years, the New York Giants will be looking for a new general manager. And Dave Gellerman brought a lot of confidence to the table. Confidence is good when you're producing. If you're not producing, you look and sound like a fool. He better be careful that he does not hit on this draft, that the Giants will not want his services too much longer as their general manager. How much do you think uh, the new coach Judge has uh, influence on this draft? See, that's a really good question because Dave Gellerman brought in his guy where he wanted somebody that, I don't know if he wants him more to be the coach and he takes care of the personnel or if Judge is going to have a say. Joe Judge comes from that New England Bill Belichick coaching tree. So unless Judge is able to ascend in the organization, they start to trust him more than Dave Gettleman, then he can bring in his guy. He's basically going to have practically no input, especially being a rookie head coach and a former position coach with the New England Patriots. So whatever intellect he may have, we may not even hear about it regarding this draft because it seems to me that this is Dave Gellerman's show, and nobody else is invited, even in that organization. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, New York teams, the Jets, uh, I'm looking at John Clayton's uh, mock draft from the Washington Post, and he's uh, select he's picking Jedrick Wills' uh, tackle from Alabama. Uh, obviously, Darnold, Sam Darnold, the quarterback there, needs some protection. Is uh, Willis uh, seems like a good fit for them? He's a fit for anybody, but if you're a New York Jets, you got Sam Darnold. You got to give him weapons on the outside, and in a wide receiver rich draft, the Jets may think they're going to get a quality wide receiver in the second or third round. So that's probably why they're going to go the offensive tackle from Alabama, maybe offensive line help. But if you get a chance to get one of these dangerous receivers, whether it's Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy out of Alabama, I think those two guys right now are the two best receivers in the NFL draft. In a wide receiver draft, that you can have so many different options out there. If you get a guy that can be that kind of playmaker that's going to make your quarterback better, that he can get the ball out of his hands quick and get the ball to him and he can make a play in a short amount of space and make it a long play, I think you have to go wide receiver if you're the New York Jets because if you believe that Sam Donald is a higher-tier QB1 quarterback, then what's the best way to make sure he's going to stay that way? You give him guys on the outside that can make plays, and there are plenty of guys in this draft that can do that, that if I'm the New York Jets, instead of offensive line, I would definitely go wide receiver because you're going to get a quality offensive lineman in the second or third round anyway. So get a chance to get a playmaker early on and then four to five from that point on. If I'm the New York Jets, I go wide receiver first and offensive lineman second when I come to the draft. Is this a good thing? I mean, obviously, we're, you know, with the situation we're in right now in this country and the world with the pandemic, I mean, I think it's a good thing we're having the draft. It's a nice distraction. No, your thoughts? I thought it was a good thing the minute that the NFL decided to go forward with it. I thought it was very interesting what Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, said earlier on ESPN television when he said that this is the this is the event that people need. He is looking to lead the Justice League, known as the NFL, against the forces of evil, Ken, when 
exactly how people responded to the last dance, part one and part two on Sunday. So if the ratings were that good, over 6 million people, for something that we've known about but found out other things, then the ratings are going to be bop over the NFL draft no matter what channel you're watching it on. So I was completely in agreement with the Roger Goodell to not postpone the draft, not move back the draft. If anything, this is the perfect time, even though it's going to be a virtual NFL draft, where so many different things are going to be happening that people are going to pay attention no matter what team they are rooting for or what team they may be interested in. I think we're going to, just, we're going to be interested to see how if there's going to be technical glitches that affect this draft too, like none, none, none other. It's going, I think that's going to be the thing. I mean, I, I look forward to see if uh, you know we see uh, issues where you know people are getting knocked offline and uh, there's internet service goes down. So it's going to be that's going to be interesting how they deal with that. Yeah, I said last week that the IT person is going to be the most valuable person with the NFL draft because if you don't have the right IT guy, for example, Dan Quinn, the general manager of the Detroit Lions is going to have his IT guy in a Winnebago in his driveway for all three rounds of the NFL draft starting on Thursday. So that IT person, male or female, can you imagine they're not able to fix or troubleshoot a problem that might happen with somebody about to pick in the first round? That's one of those chaotic things potentially that's going to have a lot of interest for people to see exactly which team is not going to handle this well, which team is going to screw this up, or which team is going to rise above that and not let potential issues get in the way of choosing the player or the process leading the player that they want with the virtual draft happening on Thursday. Well, you just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Freddie, the uh, much-anticipated much uh, documentary about the Chicago Bulls, The Last Dance. I watched it Sunday night, those first two parts. I tell you what, it's living up to the hype. That was Jerry Krause is being portrayed as the villain of this, and it, it's just it's unbelievable the, the things we we probably didn't we know, know there, was, there was a friction there, but some of the things like Scottie Pippen basically, you know, putting down Kraus in front of Kraus in front of the team, and just I, I can't wait for the parts uh, three through uh, ten now at this point. What yeah, just what what, were you, what what did you take out of it? What surprised you the most? Well, definitely with Jerry Kraus, and especially they made him out to be Jerry Heller from Straight Outta Compton. That's exactly <laughs> what that sounded and looked like with Jerry Kraus, and yeah, his ego got in the way. There's no doubt about that. But you can't tell me, Ken. There's not one Knicks fan out there that would take one six or the Chicago Bulls were able to get. He was able to fortify a team around Michael Jordan, even though he didn't draft him. Rod Thorne drafted him in 1984. Jerry Krause gets the job in 1985. He had the foresight to find a Scottie Pippen and, and, and generate a draft day trade for him. He moves on from Charles Oakley, brings in Bill Cartwright. That helped his basketball team. He took a chance on Dennis Rodman, a former Detroit Pistons, when people thought he was crazy to bring him to the Chicago Bulls. He knew that Doug Collins had run his course and you need to have Bill Jackson, who he brought as an assistant coach, to this basketball team. So for all the hits that he took when he was alive and also in that documentary, let's not let's not take away the fact that he did a fantastic job allowing this team to be in position to win six championships in eight years. And if I'd have been eight in a row, had Michael Jordan decided not to leave and play minor league baseball because he felt he had to do something like that after the death of his father getting worn down from being Michael Jordan being a worldwide figure. I thought it was very telling about Jerry Krause that they showed when they got their, their fifth championship rings and he walks out to the court after being introduced by Ray Clay and you heard crickets and a smattering of boos and I said, boy, oh boy, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for him where you knew exactly what you were working, what you were able to accomplish and nobody respected it because it, they, everybody pretty much knew this was going to be the last 
I'm going to be interested to see how they portray Dennis Rodman. See, like, you know, as you said, you know, he's, he was, you know, Rodman was a little bit of a uh, crazy to bring in because of his reputation. Obviously, you know, he won a couple championships with the Pistons, but it looks like when, you know, when you know, Pippen had his uh, surgery at the start of the 97-98 season, Rodman's being credited with keeping that team together, which I think would shock a lot of people knowing how his rep- what his reputation's like. Well, it really didn't shock me because think about this. Dennis Rodman was never interested on the basketball court. What about me? What about me? When he played the Detroit Pistons, he was the Bulls. He was more interested in making sure he was going to be the proper teammate of whatever they needed him to do, defending the best front-line player, getting those rebounds, providing that energy, providing that spark. He wasn't doing the same, look at me, look at me. Now, the stuff outside of the court, yeah, that was Dennis Rodman. That was the worm. There's nobody out there that can say, boy, that that didn't happen. It happened because of what he was able to do in the basketball court. And when you have a lot of issues that he had in his life starting from childhood, it was going to manifest itself that way. But nobody thought to that kind of level when it comes to Dennis Rodman. But he was never interested in being a me, me guy because everything he did was for the benefit of what's best for the basketball team. And yet the theatrics are going to take center stage because it was Dennis Rodman and he had the hair and everything. But when he was on the basketball court, it was all about what can we do to be a winning team? What can we do to be a championship team? Nobody should ever take that away from Dennis Rodman with his years with Detroit and definitely the three years he was with the Chicago Bulls when they won championships. I mean, it's amazing he asked for a vacation in the middle of the season. I find that kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And especially, he was great copy for so many different people having a book, shine, book signing and he's in a wedding dress with the makeup and everything. Dennis Rodman may be a lot of things, but it was very calculated when it came to his brand. He knew exactly what he was doing when he was playing in the NBA because he knew he wasn't a superstar scorer, but at the same time, you knew about his name. Many people knew about basketball because of Dennis Robin because he went beyond the game. He knew exactly how to calculate that, make sure it's going to be put out there for people to see whatever reaction they had to it. He was completely good with it because you were talking about him, and also then you were going to go maybe see him play basketball, especially part of that, part of that superhuman team that the Chicago Bulls were in the 90s. Of course, you mentioned Phil Jackson. You know, Phil Jackson actually you know, got his head coaching career here in Albany with the Patroons back in the CBA days. So I'm interested if that's going to be mentioned uh, in, in this documentary. Oh, they're definitely going to mention it because I love the way that the documentary not only brings us to where it was going on with the Chicago Bulls, but then it takes us back to when Jordan was in high school and battling with his, his older brother Larry. And he said, the person you love so much, that you want to knock them in the head. That showed you how much and how competitive they were. I love the fact they were able to do that. So I think when it comes to Phil Jackson, that's going to be a part of this documentary. They're definitely going to go back not so much to his days with New York Knicks, but definitely do that, but also how he got his coaching start, being with the Albany Patroons. And many people wonder, okay, this guy wants to be an NBA coach. Who's going to hire this hippie from <laughs> South Dakota who played in the NBA and had a beard like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Who's going to hire that guy? So I think a lot of that is going to be a part of when they focus on Phil Jackson, and especially when he was open about this, saying, hey, ask me any questions, but you would have the answers you want with the last dance. Yeah. I, I was back when I was back working at the York Daily Record, and the CBA was in Lancaster with the Lightning. I covered a game there, and I remember Phil Jackson getting thrown out of the game, <laughs> the, the one that I yeah. covered a game. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure a lot of that went on because George Carl. He said there's certain stories that he can't tell when he was in the CBA. He said there are plenty of stories that I have I'm taking to the grave with me. I wonder how much of that is part of Phil Jackson's basketball DNA, that there's certain things that are out there, but there's certain 
Uh, Freddie, where can people find you again on social media? You can always hit me up on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. That is C-O-L-E-M-A-N and ESPN Capital. Freddie Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 o'clock on ESPN Radio. Freddie Coleman, appreciate it again, my friend, and uh, let's do this again next month. Yeah, no doubt about that, Ken. Continue to be well and be safe, my friend, and you take care. You too, Freddie. Thanks a lot. That's Freddie Coleman back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. April Subscriber Appreciation Month at the Daily Gazette. Pay for one year of your subscription and receive one month free. Pay for six months of your subscription and receive two weeks free. Call today to take advantage of this limited time offer. Call 518-395-3060. Or you can visit us online at dailygazette.com slash payment. Be sure to mention the promo code APPRECIATE. Back to wrap up the podcast, keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Michael Kelly and Freddie Coleman for coming on the show. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Pawnee Shots Podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Pawnee Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, and stay safe.